Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Dr. Vincent Medici. Let's get it on. All right. Maybe this is the most important show you've ever heard from anybody. Maybe. And the reason is... This thing about type 2 diabetes, I remind you, I did part one last week, is insidious. Now, why is type 2 diabetes insidious? Because we've created a model for it where it's killing you 20 years before they tell you you got it. That's what I said. The problem with this whole thing about type 2 diabetes, the misconception is that the way we've designed the model, and it's to an extent understandable, to an extent, is that you've got it for 20 years before it's been identified. Now, that's not your fault. In a way, it's not even your doctor's fault. This is a true democracy. It's nobody's fault. No one has responsibility for it. So we'll leave it at that. However, you should be duly informed by me today that what you have to be doing after the age of even 35 years old is learning to measure your glucose, <clears throat> your blood glucose, after you eat a meal, one hour after you eat a meal. It's called the postprandial glucose, prandial after you eat the meal, postprandial after you eat the meal. This is the way to do it, the stupidest, most ridiculous, most unprofessional, I mean, I couldn't, Demean it enough is the main test that they use. It's called the screening test. Do you know what a screening test means? A screening test means that by the time we find it, you're dead. That's what screening means. It's the opposite. <laughs> Fasting blood glucose is the last thing. My dad had diabetes. Type 2. And right till the day he died in his 80s, if he had just stopped stuffing his face, it would have turned around in two months. My father had it from the time he was 38 years old. At any time, and I remember along the way he'd decide to lose weight, his blood sugar would regulate immediately. He was fortunate. You know why he was fortunate? He ate so bad, and he had so much weight on his body, that even to his doctor... He had classic diabetes from the time he was 38. Classic, meaning you couldn't miss it. He was lucky. Most people don't suffer from that. Most people suffer for years from if they eat a meal, one hour after that meal, that blood sugar is up at one. 40 
150, one hour after that meal. And it's only until two or three hours after that meal that that blood sugar has regulated down under 100 where it belongs. So in that period of time, which comprises maybe six, eight hours a day, right, after the meal, because everything's wrong and your blood sugar is not regulating correctly, in that period of time, which could add up to be six, eight hours a day, if you're getting up in the morning and you're having two eggs with toast and, say, a cup of coffee with sugar or a soda or orange juice or the potatoes with the toast, this kind of thing, I guarantee you, long before you ever know you have diabetes, you're running your blood sugar up at about 130, 140, 150. Many, many millions of people do this. And then by the time you get to work and hit with the stress of the day, you've brought that blood sugar down. Maybe take two hours, three hours. But you're doing that twice a day. You're definitely doing it at least twice a day. That means out of 24 hours, your blood sugar's way too high. In 24 hours, you've got six to eight hours where your blood sugar's too high. Somebody ought to tell you that because it's hurting you. It's damaging you. But what happens is you get the screening test twice a year at the physical exam. And that allows you, after you've ruined your blood sugar for six to eight hours during the wake cycle of the day, that allows you to go to sleep, get six to eight hours of sleep, and then get up in the morning, do your usual thing, and by the time you get to the clinic, to the doctor's office, to the hospital to get your blood sugar measured, we call this fasting blood sugar. Remember, what do they always say? Don't eat in the morning. Fast. It's a tough morning, isn't it? You have to skip the vittles. And so by the time you get tested, you've had a full 14 hours. Uh, maybe not, 12 hours. You've definitely had a good 12 hours to do what? Fast and bring your blood sugar down. You're never going to see the blood sugar at too high a level if you do what I just said. And if you do see it, that's a sign that you're pushing into real diabetes. So fasting blood sugar only catches people that have full-blown diabetes. Now, yes, because so many have it, because there's so much talk about it, because we have diabetes clubs. We have pre-diabetes clubs. We have ways of eating that'll get rid of diabetes. It's so prevalent in Western society, America, of course, taking the lead, that we're getting smart about it. And so we're starting to understand now that we might need to take more and other measurements like glycated hemoglobin. That's your HGbA1c. But we've screwed that one up too. Because what we're telling people at 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, 5'7", that you're pre-diabetic. And when you tell someone they're pre-diabetic, in their mind, it means I'm fine. Until I get past 6.0, I'm fine. That's the myth. That is the absolute myth. If your glycated hemoglobin is above 5'2", 
Yeah, that's going to turn over a lot of graves. If your glycated hemoglobin is over 5.2, definitely if it's over 5.4, you're starting to get into blood sugar dysregulation. You're running your blood sugar high too often, and you will be damaged accordingly. There's just no two ways about this. So they're not giving you the right norms. When you get up in the morning, you're fasting blood sugar. When you get up in the morning, after you wake up, take a shower, before you eat anything, you look at that blood sugar, it's got to be well under 100. It's got to be 80, 85, 90. That's what you're looking for. This, Oh, it's okay, fasting blood sugar, 110. No, it's not. And then if you get... Because you won't get, but if you did get glycated hemoglobin and it's up at 5'6", 5, 5'7", 5, 5, 5, they're still not going to blow the diabetes whistle. They're going to say you're pre-diabetic. Do you know how many people I know that have come into this office and simply said, hey, I don't have to think about it. I'm 5'8", glycated hemoglobin. Those people are very misinformed. Do not be one of them. I'm Dr. Vincent Medici. If you're new to the show... Pull over and listen. This is important for you. We have millions upon millions upon millions of people who are not diabetic. They are just dysregulated in the blood sugar, and it's just rhetoric at this point. What you want to know as John Q. Public is, are you hurting yourself by running your blood sugar too high because of the meal and having it take too long for it to reduce? And the answer is, yes, you are. This is why we birthed, so now I'm going to get away from that, and I'm going to transition, guys, into something else. This is why we've birthed paleo. This is why we've birthed ketogenic. And, of course, in our usual stupid fashion, the usual stupid industry of nutrition and health, and I say that very specifically because once they birth something that's a good idea, all the doctors get together and argue that their way is better. So you have all your vegetarian doctors, you've got all your vegan doctors arguing with your keto doctors and your carnivore doctors, Lauren Carden, the paleo diet. Everybody's got to argue with everybody. And in that idiocy of argumentation, which is just designed to create controversy to sell books, because that's what the public likes. They like blood. Yes, they do. Blood sells. Get one doctor up there on the Oprah show to argue with another doctor, validate their credentials, let them go at it and tear each other up. And then you, the public, get to decide. It's like we're Romans and this is the Colosseum. It's ridiculous. And you know why it's ridiculous? Because you are the public and you get hurt. You get deceived. What do I mean? It doesn't matter if you go paleo. It doesn't matter if you go ketogenic for, for this conversation. It doesn't matter if you're a vegan. It doesn't matter if you're a vegetarian. The only thing that matters is one thing. After you eat your meal, one hour later, you got to measure your blood sugar. Go out to the drugstore, get the AccuCheck, learn to use it, figure it out, and take measurements. And it doesn't matter how you eat. As long as your blood sugar is under 100 after one hour. As long as generally you're living with your blood sugar, somewhere between 80 to 100, as long as your glycated hemoglobin is down there well under 5.5, 5.4, 5.3, 5, 5.2, 5, as long as those things are true, 
eat pizza and drink Coke all day. It doesn't matter in this context. In this context, it doesn't matter. That's why we shouldn't be arguing. Whether you're paleo, whether you're vegan, whether you're vegan, whether you're a fruitarian, it doesn't matter. That's the first tenet. That is the first law. That is Medici's law to put an end to all this stupid infighting that's just designed to sell books. Now, after that, you can have lots of debates about do you need meat? Don't you need meat? Is it moral to eat meat? Is it not? That has nothing to do with what I said. This is specifically designed to make sure you can relax as far as blood sugar is concerned, pre-diabetes, diabetes, getting rid of diabetes, and so on and so forth. And of course, the caveat, the caveat is, if you eat carbs, fruit, potatoes, grains, rice, the whole thing, breads, you're, you got to watch it a little more because those things break down to sugar a lot faster than stuff that doesn't have any sugar, like bacon and eggs. There's no sugar. There's no carb. There's no starch, relatively. So that's the caveat if you're vegan or vegetarian. But stick to the main point. Lots of, when McDougal, there's a doctor named Dr. McDougal. I don't particularly agree with the guy, but when he says he's gotten people out of type 2 diabetes on the carbohydrate diet, he's telling the truth. He's just fed them in a way that keeps their blood sugar low, and if you do that, the body will straighten it out. And then when you have the paleoites and the ketogenic types all screaming that they've done it too that way, of course they have. Because to get the blood sugar up, you need carbohydrate, you need sugars, fruits, etc. And if you're just eating meat and fat for the most part, mostly fat, a certain amount of meat, and you're really minimizing the carbs, like a lot of diets, Scarsdale diet, etc., then in fact what? Of course your blood sugar is going to drop. So both sides can do it. Let's just make that clear. Okay, now let's get to the other piece. The other piece of this. The other piece of this is there you are, you're packing on about 30, 40, 50, 60 extra pounds of weight. Yes, you are. How do you know? Take your high school weight when you were 18. Get on the scale. That's how much. Don't talk about when you were 30. People always do this. It's a joke. By the time you're 30, you're already packing on an extra 10 to 20 to 30 pounds. But you still look pretty good in a suit. You could still move. You could still dance. People still thought you had a nice figure, male or female. doesn't matter. So you're going to use 150 pounds as a female because that's what you weighed at five foot eight when you were 30. But when you had first just gotten out of high school, you weren't 150, you were 130 or 125. Now you're 60, 70 or 80 and you're thinking 150. No, think the way you were when you graduated high school. Yes, take the leap. That's your real weight. There's exceptions, but you know what I mean. The body fat's got to get down to about 12%. 12% to 10% females and about 10% little less for males. That's where you were senior year of high school. Let's make that one clear. All right, so you've got to get back to that weight. Why? Because if you have fat on your body, it dysregulates 
your blood sugar. This is what confuses a lot of people. They're packing that extra 40 pounds. They're not going to lose weight. They're already in some sort of pre-diabetic or diabetic state. And so they just decide to count their they're going to they're going to start watching the calories. They're not going to lose weight, but they're not going to gain weight, and they're going to eat the right foods. And so they figure out the glycemic index, they figure out the insulin load, they do all the stuff you got to do, and then their blood sugar doesn't drop. And they can't figure out why. Now they're not fat, they're only packing on an extra 30 pounds. They're not exercising. But for what they know, for what their medical doctors tell them, unfortunately, usually, if they even have the time to be speaking to one, the bottom line is they tell them, just don't gain weight. Leave the 30 or 40 pounds on. It looks reasonably well. All your friends have an extra 30 or 40, so we're all the same. It's not like you're standing out of the crowd at 100 pounds plus. And just leave it like that and then don't eat garbage food. And when you take your, 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 your blood sugar, it'll regulate because you're eating the low glycemic index foods. And it doesn't happen or it happens a little but not really. And people get frustrated. If you have too much weight on, and I'm talking about if you want to get out of this type 2 diabetes thing, you have to make sure you drop your weight. You have to do that. And you have to make sure you exercise. And when you exercise, that heart rate's got to come up. Check out my other shows. If you're trying to get out of type 2 diabetes, if you're pre-diabetic and you're trying to get out of that, to do that, to regulate blood sugar, to get it so that after you eat, your blood sugar's down under 100 one hour after you eat, you have to make sure that you drop your weight under 20%. How's that? I'll be kind to us all. Under 20%. Really, you got to go under 15%. And you have to do it in part, not just by low glycemic foods or no glycemic foods, but you must make sure that you exercise in that interval training way, where whatever you're doing, your heart rate goes up for 20, 30 seconds up there. Clear it with your doctor if you've got any medical condition, of course. Make sure your cardiologist says, okay, if you've got any medical condition related to the cardiovascular system, and then make sure when you exercise, you're up there at 140, 150 for 20 seconds. Then you rest. Then you bring it up again. Then you rest. You go to 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, up to 40 minutes a day. In that zone, you at 60, 70, 80 years old, once you're medically sanctioned, if you have a cardiovascular problem, has to exercise and drop weight and change the foods you eat to the more low glycemic or no glycemic. Low glycemic if you're McDougal and you're a carbo guy, and no glycemic if you're a paleo person or a ketogenic person. Ta-da, there it is. I gave it to you in 19 minutes. It's all you have to do. But you have to do everything I said, everything to the T. And if you leave out one thing, it doesn't work. Oh, bloods, you're genetically designed not to regulate your blood sugar unless you exercise. Most people have to drop their weight or their blood sugar won't regulate. Now, oh, bloods, or just people that want to really do it faster. Well, I shouldn't even say it that way. I should say it like, here's one way to go. 
you know, you're really on that trail. You're on the health trail. You want to get rid of the type 2. You're being damaged in what way? Look up all the ways diabetes will damage somebody. You are in that direction. You are doing the same damage more slowly, but you'll get there if you're pre-diabetic. Just know that. Renal failure, skin conditions, lethargy. One thing is tons of people live tired because their blood sugar is dysregulated. It doesn't ever get caught. Eye problems. You're 80 and you have macular degeneration. Where did that come from? Age-related. You know what age-related macular degeneration is? Poor regulation of blood sugar. That wasn't diabetes, though. There's so many things. that Your skin has bumps on it. Your cytokines shoot through the roof because your blood sugar is too high. Once those cytokines are high, good luck. You're in a constant state of inflammation. Your joints will ache. Oh, I'm 50 or 60. My joints ache. I don't know what it is. I'm not diabetic. Yeah, you're pre-diabetic, and you're not going to have the bounce and spring you did when you were 20 or 30 years old or whatever, simply because you're dysregulating your blood sugar, but nobody's going to tell you. There are so many symptoms. Trying to determine symptomology from dysregulation of blood sugar is like trying to determine symptomology when you're living in downtown Mexico City or downtown Los Angeles or one of those uptown downtown joints around northern China where the air is so bad it's brown. You can't even see 50 feet away because the smog is so bad. Bad day in L.A. downtown, bad day in Mexico City, bad day in China, bad day all over the world. You're not getting oxygen. What are the symptoms of that? The question is, what are not the symptoms when you can't get oxygen? Analogy, blood sugar, too high. Insulin load, too high. What are not the symptoms? You're going to have every imaginable symptom. So it's always going to go undetected. Nobody's going to tell you that joint pain is because of blood sugar dysregulation. So I've given you a solution to that. Get the AccuCheck. Eat the food. Measure the blood sugar. If the blood sugar is too high, meaning if one hour after you eat, it's over 100, change the foods. Find the way of eating, the choice of foods that brings it down. Turn it into a fun experiment. Do that. Make it fun. Make it interesting. It is interesting. It's your body. All right, now, another law, another rule of engagement. Make sure you transition slowly. You have to transition slowly. And the reason is, if your cells are used to getting their glucose when they want it, fast, which is what? Eat a donut, you'll get the glucose fast. Have pancakes and eggs for breakfast, you'll get the glucose fast. With the eggs, have a bagel, a toasted bagel, you'll get the glucose fast. For lunch, have two nice slices of pizza and a Coke. If you're doing Coke, please do the Mexican Coke. Please, as you transition. Because the Mexican Coke has the cane sugar. It's not that bad. 
But everyone knows if it's the usual Coke, Coke Classic, Coke in the can, this kind of thing, you've got the high fructose corn syrup. What that does to your blood sugar is beyond belief. We don't even get it. And agave is in that neighborhood also, just so you know. You want to know the truth? Your blood sugar will jack up faster on orange juice than a Mexican Coke. Look it up yourself. It's astounding. Get to know the glycemic index thing. It's unbelievable what you learn about foods. The number one food to avoid, if you've got any of this kind of problem, is watermelon and corn. The glycemic, and you have some cream of corn. You even have corn on the cob. That'll shoot your bl- corn, uh, not corn on the cob, corn flour. Yes, sorry, the corn tortilla, the corn muffin. Corn is famous for jacking it up so fast. It's odd, but if you actually study what it says about the Cokes with the cane sugar or the natural sodas, the health food sodas that use cane sugar, you'll see their glycemic index is about 60, 70 in that zone. Next to corn flour, drink the Coke from the standpoint of blood sugar. It's very interesting. You should do that. You'll learn lots of amazing things. The point is, if you get off it too fast, you're going to get very fatigued. You have to do it slowly. Don't cold turkey it. Do it a little bit at a time. Because as you reduce sugar and replace it with fat, the liver learns to take the fat, convert it to ketones in the liver, and send the ketones with its friends to your cells, goes into the Krebs cycle, and pops out ATP anyhow. So you have to learn to transition to build the enzymes in the liver so you can make the ketones. You can't do that in one day. So you have to gradually go off. If you don't have the support of the liver and you put too much stress on the body by withdrawing from the sugars, carbs too fast, you're going to feel dead. You're going to lie on a couch for a week or two with no energy. Ta-da! Good luck. Get to it. Spring is here. Soon we'll even see the sun in the morning. And, of course, if you're lost in the labyrinth of health, and truly, if you know me, you know it's a labyrinth. If you've ever come to see me, you know it's a labyrinth. 714-850-1007. Come ready to learn. Come ready to heal. I'll see you next week. Ta-ta. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.